So this is our very first uh, experiment with the Allison Park Leadership Podcast, which is something that just kind of came about through a conversation that, that we had. Uh, by the way, I'm Dave, and, and, and my name is Jeff, and uh, <laughs> Dave Leak, Jeff Leak, we're father-son, and uh, on, on staff together at Allison Park Church, I'm the lead pastor, and Dave is... What, what's your title called? Next Generation? I'm, I'm something with youth. Yeah, you do would say youth pastor for now. Okay. Yeah. So we had a conversation um, just about some of the things that are sort of locked inside of, of you, Jeff, that are, um, you know, not always brought to the service that would probably be helpful. Uh, and for me, I've been in, you know, full-time ministry for six and a half years, something like that. Um, and just like some of the concepts that I'm struggling with, I realized that as we talked about, you kind of had a lot in you and a lot of thoughts on these uh, topics that I think would be helpful. Mm-hmm. Um, so we talked about, well, first and foremost, anybody who's in our leadership network at Allison Park would probably be able to benefit from some of these things um, and maybe even beyond with the Reach Northeast network. Yeah. And, and so this is kind of funny for me in some ways because, you know, uh, of course, we're father and son, so you've grown up in my house. We've been through life together over the past, what, how old are you, 28 years old? 20, 28, thank you. <laughs> and, and, and then, so you've watched me do ministry, and so I just kind of make some assumptions that what I know, what I value, what makes uh, Allison Park what it is, is just sort of um, kind of known. Like, I know it, everybody should know it. And this is one of the mistakes I think leaders can make, and that is that oftentimes we don't articulate what our values are, what our philosophy is. And so when you said, what's our value system here? I was a little bit shocked. Like, well, don't you know that? And you were like, no, I don't know that. So it kind of opened the door to the conversation. Well, there's probably a lot of other people that I work with and do ministry with, life with, that don't know either. So why do you think that is? And from your perspective, why is it that you think there's things that we do, but aren't always clear. Because uh, you know, I know you have some thoughts. Yeah. On that. So I, I think you know, um, obviously, this is not from experience. This is more just from reading. But I know a lot of the top CEOs talk about how um, that most successful organizations uh, are intentional to outline their own principles. Um, and there's not even necessarily one standard set of guiding principles, um, but just that it's outlined. But obviously, there's a reason that not everybody does that. It's because um, it takes intentionality and probably um, even just asking the right kind of questions and making time for that in the midst of craziness. Mm-hmm. So that's our goal here, um, just to kind of dive into some topics. Um, some of them will be hopefully practically useful. Some of them might be discussing just what's going on with, with you know the church world and really our, our nation worldwide. Um, yeah. So. And I think I think the other thing about um, uh, just self observation. I just did uh, Strength Finders, and uh, the person who's kind of coaching me through that. My first two were strategic activators. So strategic is number one. Activator is number two. And what he said to me is that I learn best by doing something and learning as I go along. And then what I never do is I never take the time to stop and say, "How did I do that? Why did that work?" And a lot of times people will ask me. How did you do that? Why did that work? And I don't know how to articulate that. But one of the things that I love about you, Dave, is that you actually are somebody who likes to think deeply about things and try to articulate. So this, I think, will be a gift in my life. It allows me to do what I think needs to happen, and maybe it'll be helpful to other people too. Yeah, well, this is going to be fun. Okay, so without further ado, let's jump into sort of the first topic um, that I think is on my mind and probably on the minds of, of a lot of people in my generation, and that's... Uh, we'll just say the tension of like for a church, 
um, having enough excellence in terms of our, our services and our environment um, to have people that are unchurched come in and, you know, obviously be attracted to who we are. Um, and I think there's a lot of elements that go into that. You know, some of that is the actual physical building and the environment. Some of it is the, the music and the message and the video quality and the lights. Um, and, and then I think there's also something else at tension, you know, and from, you know, a lot of conversations I've had, I think people that are a little bit older than my generation see this and value this sometimes even more, um, than, than, than I'm 28, than my generation does. I think that is having enough room inside of a service for the Holy Spirit to be able to flow and to hear from God personally. So so the, the, these words are not totally encapsulating, but we'll talk about service excellence, basically, yeah. mm-hmm. versus, uh, you know, Holy so, Spirit experience. Yeah, yeah. So there is a definite tension there. And I think in my lifetime, especially, that has really grown up because uh, when I first became the pastor at Allison Park Church, 28 years ago. It was just right after you were born. Um, the excellence expectation of a church was pretty low. There wasn't really high excellence, standard, excellence standards. And then things radically changed where everything in our culture, because excellence became something at almost everybody's fingertips, because you can produce a quality photo on your phone now to do a sloppy one as a church says you're not even trying, right? So there is there is a there is this growing expectation of excellence that's come over the last 30 years that every pastor has to manage. And and I know one of the things that people will say is that Allison Park has a little bit of that mix. Like there is you could the pendulum can swing to one direction or the other and we're trying to have that mix. So how have you observed that that's kind of a mix for us, and, and why did this come up in your mind? Yeah, well, I mean, even six years ago when I first came on staff, I don't even think we were much of a mix. Like, okay, we had, we had some excellence, <laughs> but like, you know, our, our staff in terms of like making things, we'll say like attractive or cool or relevant, like, man, I, I remember the first time when our cafe got renovated, I was like, wow, this is the first cosmetic upgrade I've ever seen in our church ever. You know, and I always just assumed like, well, we're giving money to missions and whatever else. And I think that's a huge priority for us. Um, but over, over the past number of years, you know, we've seen uh, a video crew at Allison Park. We have people that are working in social media. Um, we, we just upgraded our facilities at, at our Hampton campus so that when you know, when people walk in for the first time, it feels like an environment they want to be in and they want to socialize with. Um, so I think all of that has definitely been intentional. But part of this is intimidating. I don't know if it is for you, but for me, because when you see public churches and people on Instagram, you know, you, you think of, well, I think of um, Elevation is the big one, but then, you know, Fresh Life Church with Levi Lesko or Craig Grishel and Life Church. I mean, there's incredible stuff out there. And sometimes I even maybe without thinking about it, can link or equate success, and that might be their pathway, but I'm not totally sure. I mean, what, what do you think about Yeah, yeah, so, so it's funny. Six years ago, we were six years into a brand new building, and so everybody <laughs> my generation was thinking like, wow, this is amazing. <laughs> and so uh, this does show the generational disparity there. And, but I guess you're asking the question, what makes effective or successful ministry? And what role does excellence play in that? And the kinds of things that you defined excellence as which would be facilities and service programming and the way that we do what we do, okay? And then there's the other piece of the puzzle, which has been our historic strength, which is experience, experiential ministry. So, you know, we come from a Pentecostal charismatic stream, 
And we believe that you really haven't had a successful service unless people have had an experience with God. Mm-hmm. And so for us, we always leaned in that direction. Like, even if everything's not perfect, but people have an experience with God and they leave changed. If um, a picture on the wall is crooked or the picture is a little fuzzy, it's secondary in our mind to the experience. So excellence for us has always been secondary to the experience. But we probably neglected the excellence side a little too much because I think when you do things well, especially if you're going to try to reach those who are 36 and under, if you don't do things excellently, it does hinder your ability to to be able to reach people for Jesus. Right. Well, and we, we even were talking about this, but the rise of the internet and social media over the last 20 years has really changed the thinking on this. I mean, I just even remember whenever I was, you know, growing up in high school, um, if, if our youth group would do something funny or cool and it was well done, that might be one of the only times I would have seen something like that outside of maybe if I was watching TV. MTV might do something cool like that. But like now, like even our most excellent video is still levels below what you can experience on YouTube, you know, at the very first click of a mouse, you know? Yeah. Um, and, and I guess something that, that I was just sort of wrestling with um, as we were thinking about this topic was, you know, I think that there's a danger, and, and I'm not saying that anybody in particular does this, but with this pathway of trying to have, um, you know, this service excellence, this, you know, environmental experiential excellence where we can try to win people to our number, you know, as, as we're trying to do as a church, right? We're trying to bring Jesus and then bring people into our, our, our church family. But I think that there's a danger of us trying to attract people based on our coolness. And we can maybe say that we, our legitimacy is established by how relevant or how cool we are. Um, so, like, what, what's the balance, do you think? Yeah, so I think, okay, I would look at it like this. I think there is a, a, a minimum standard of excellence that gets you in the door with people. And then I think what the church does best is not, like you're saying, providing Pixar-quality videos. But what we do best is introducing people into the life-changing power of God through the presence of the Holy Spirit. So if we at least hit a minimum standard of excellence and we get people in the door, when we get them there, I don't think the answer is to give them additional excellence. Although that's great if you can do it. But everybody's on a budget. There's only so much time and energy you have and sometimes it's even possible that the pursuit of excellence can hinder the pursuit of the presence of God. Mm-hmm. Sometimes you have to make a decision between whether or not I'm going to make this a little bit better or whether I'm going to maybe back off the push towards perfection and I'm going to um, press towards a different level of excellence where I'm going to get people to make decisions where they can say yes to God where we worship aggressively and where the Holy Spirit begins to step in. And then it starts, when the Holy Spirit starts to move, it always gets a little more messy. It's no longer as precision. It can't be as timed. Not everything comes out with exact accuracy um, in terms of, you know, the way it's been scripted. But but when people leave having experienced God, they, they come back to that particular church or participate in that for more than just this is a really well done product. Mm-hmm. This is now I've had an encounter with God and with other people that have helped me really to grow. Right, that makes sense. Yeah, and and so so Jeff. And by the way, for anybody listening, just I'll address this. Yes, it is a little weird that I'm calling my dad Jeff <laughs> yes. on a podcast, but just so you know who I'm talking to, I'm gonna be like Dad. Anyway, <laughs> Jeff. So 
you know, since you know you're the lead pastor of a fairly large church, if you compare it to just to where you know a lot of churches in the nation are. So to somebody who is a newer lead pastor, or maybe who has been you know grinding for a while but hasn't seen growth they've been expecting, you know, what advice would you give as far as you know this this tension of experiential service excellence versus room for the Holy Spirit, like? How can you use these principles to create the kind of environment where God is moving and you're also attracting the unchurched? Yeah, so that's a very large question. I think I think one thing is to you need to have kind of conversations with your team about what your basic minimum standard is. And then once you hit that and you achieve that, then you have to become okay with what that is. And then the second piece is what does it take for us to get people into an experiential environment? while at the same time explaining to them what's going on well enough that people don't feel unsafe. Because sometimes in a Holy Spirit-oriented environment, God starts to move, and we then forget about all these new people that we've just brought into the room with us that have come in, that like what we're doing, that feel you know welcomed and safe, and, and they, they're impressed with what they see in terms of our preparation. Um, and then we get them into the presence of God. And the goal there for us is we want to get people into a place where they're saying yes, where they're saying yes to God in the worship time, yes to God in the prayer time, yes to God in the message time, yes to God uh, you know, at the, at the end of the service once they've hear, heard the message. We don't want them to just leave with sort of a period at the end of the message and saying, okay, that's now over. I got the packaged service and I went home. We want them to leave having made a decision mm-hmm. to open their heart. Yeah, in and, some and you're way. talking about something that that's a big principle for you, which is engaging the will. Yeah, not just the mind or the emotions. Yeah, because I think actually you won't have an experience with God if your will isn't involved. Mm-hmm. You can contemplate things, you can you can have things ministered to you, but when you engage and you say, "God, I trust you. I surrender to you." I worship you. And a new person that's never experienced that before, maybe their religious experience has been you come and sit and listen and you leave. Um, when they are led gently and pastorally in an excellent environment, right? Basic minimum standard right. to make a decision to say yes to God in some way, they leave having experienced God's presence in their life, which is life-changing. And I think that is the balance. Basic minimum standards and then trying to get people to make decisions in in that atmosphere okay, that so, will change them. So challenge for you. Give me in about 15 or 20 seconds some basic language that you would use to engage the will. To engage the will? Yeah, so I would basically say, okay, now you've heard this, we're singing this, you know, now it's up to you to own it. Like, you got to decide. Are, are you going to trust God right now? Are you going to give your life to Christ right now? Are you going to worship right now? You know, if you take a moment right now and lift up your hands and you start to to, to, to sing out of your spirit, God's going to meet you here. Or you can just sort of watch it happen. We're not forcing you. We're not, we don't want to make you uncomfortable. We're challenging you. Come on. Let's have an experience with, with God today. And I think sort of coaxing people forward to stick their toe in the water and explaining why the decision they're getting ready to make will cause them to have an experience with God. And then it's almost like a little workshop moment in some ways. I almost see my service as like a workshop. Mm-hmm. Like I'm going to say, okay, you've come here now because you want me to help you experience God. And I want to bring you into a place where I'm going to give you a little mini step. And I'm going to ask you to take, take a, a little mini step to say yes to God right now. And then I'm going to back off for a moment and I'm going to see how you feel. And I'm going to actually challenge you to take another mini step because I want to be aware of what my audience is feeling, mm-hmm. but I don't want to just leave them where they are. 
I want to coax them forward to make choices. Right. And then when the Holy Spirit shows up, you then then it's like okay, well then then our, our job is done. We've introduced the person that's new to the presence of the Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit takes over and does what right. only He can right. do. Well, and and so you're actually bringing up a principle that I think we can close with. You know, as we have have our last few minutes here, which you're talking about. Uh, is sort of a different skill set than preaching, yeah. right? And I know conversations we, we've had in the past, you, you might have said, you know, this person is not a super great preacher, but they're excellent when it comes to altar ministry. You know, can you just briefly describe the difference? Yeah, so, you know, preaching is what you communicate. It's like what you're delivering to someone's ears. Ministry is what you're um, encouraging or coaxing out of people, right? So once they've heard it, then it's the guided experience where you're taking them by the hand, so to speak, and helping them to apply what they've heard. That is what ministry is. So what I'll call that altar ministry component. So you can be a great preacher, but not do ever any altar ministry. And people are often left trying to figure out how to apply what you just told them. Or you can be a semi-good preacher and be really great at altar ministry. And if you take something that you said and help them to say yes with it, they leave being changed because it is that yes that you led them to at the end of the message yeah. that gets them in touch with God that allows for God to do what he needs to do in their life. Right. And here's the really cool thing about this. Because of what you're talking about, this probably isn't just something limited to you know platform preaching. But what you're, what you're describing as far as engaging the will, you know, it could be with a worship leader or sure. someone who's a volunteer team leader. Yeah. You know, so if someone's listening to this and they're like, okay, I'm not really preaching and I don't necessarily see myself preaching, but I would love to be able to help, you know, be a part of this ministry, even if it's just in my own personal team. Like, what steps do you take? Yeah, to- even the welcome ministry, when somebody's being greeted, if the goal is to get, to have a conversation with somebody who's new and to persuade them to say yes to a next step in their spiritual journey, then that has been a really effective, so you can have really great signage, and you can have all kinds of cool banners, and you can have a great environment, but if that welcome team member doesn't see their role as getting people to have an experience with God, they may miss opportunities that are present all the time. Yeah, that's good. So so kind of in summary, you know, we, we have, there. there's a balance we need of having attractional excellence enough to where you can walk in and feel at home and like people know what's going on and we're not looking at a building, you know, that is clearly, you know, being arranged from the 1950s, you know, <laughs> right. like we want to try to avoid that. Um, but at the same time, the pressure is not growth will only happen through excellence. We also need to have uh, a, a room for the Holy Spirit to move. And then maybe the ultimate key, all of this is to get somebody to choose to engage. Yes. So they're walking in not just as a, you know, a fan or I'm not even sure as an observer, right? but a participant. Yeah. yeah. And, and when they engage by saying yes, they have an experience with God in some way. And that experience is the thing that becomes the transformational element. So for me, the priority is always with the experience, but I realize that the excellence, if I don't have it, I might not be able to get people to experience because they may not give me a chance to lead them anywhere. And so I do think these two things are especially in this generation, a huge balance. Yeah, lots of stuff to wrestle with. Um, and we'll probably talk about this a little bit more in the, in the upcoming podcast. But yeah, thanks for joining us for episode one. Excited for more. Yes, we are. <laughs>